Trigger warning, part of this episode discusses self-harm and suicidal ideation. If you or someone you care for is in need of immediate assistance in thinking of acting on suicidal thoughts, please call treatment locators and helplines in your country of residence, such as 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline in the United States, or Lifeline 131114 in Australia. If you're struggling with mental health, we encourage you to seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider. Please do not disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking it because of something you have heard from this podcast. Am I okay, especially this episode, is intended for mature audiences as it discusses topics that can be emotional and upsetting. Content shared in this podcast does not reflect or represent the views and opinions of medical practitioners or other experts in mental health. This podcast or any linked materials should not be construed as medical advice nor is the information as substitute for professional expertise or treatments. In case you missed it. Previously on, am I okay? Hi, Karen. Hi, Chris. Nice to see you again. So where were we the last time we spoke? You were talking about the difference between sadness and depression. I knew I was depressed when I wasn't feeling joy. I wasn't feeling happy. I wasn't feeling sadness. I wasn't feeling anything. That's when I knew I needed help. So I went to my primary care doctor, or as you call it there, your GP. Correct. She could point me to go to the right direction. I go there. They're very accommodating and very understanding of the issue. They know the urgency of the situation. There was a questionnaire that I had to answer. Then from there, I guess they would be able to see the level of depression that I'm going through or if I'm going through depression. And then before I even got to see the therapist, she asked me, are you open to taking medication? I figured I was already there and I was asking for help. Any help would do and it's worth trying. The medication was worth trying. And so I did. I said yes. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first realized that I had mental health issues, I was in denial just like you were. And my husband suggested that I talk about my work with my primary care provider, which is RGB. And I said, I don't know if this is just stress or depression or whatever it is. My GP immediately knew I needed help. He then came out with a mental health care plan. And I remember he also asked me to fill up questionnaires. And I didn't realize until years later that those questionnaires are widely available on the internet. He suggested that I look up a psychologist that I feel comfortable going to. And then he will write up the referral, so which I did. And he gave me a referral. So I went and started seeing a psychologist. He also recommended that I take medication. Do you still feel the same way now being on medication as you did when you first started it? It's very different today because I started encountering problems with my work. This was in another company and my mental health was severely affected by incidents at work that caused me to go into panic attacks and anxiety attacks so much that I could not stop shaking. I couldn't sleep for days. And 
my GP had to send me to hospital. Now picking up from where we left off. Could you clarify what you mean by hospital? Is it a regular hospital? That's a good question because people may think that it is a hospital where you're constantly in bed. Yes, yes. You're being treated by nurses where you're just lying down in bed. No, that was my perception as well. Before I went to hospital, every time I hear about you need to go to hospital because of mental health issues. This was a hospital that specializes in mental health. You do have a hospital room, but you're not allowed to stay in bed all day. You actually have activities that you need to go to. They have a whole program that they present to you when you check in. And then they recommend certain sessions or certain topics that you can go to depending on what your situation is. There are several options of what sessions to go to in every time slot, and they recommend a certain number of sessions you go to in a day. If you sleep in and stay in bed for, let's say, until midday or after breakfast is served, then they will prompt you to get up because that's not a good sign. It's a really unhealthy manifestation of depression, as we now know. So it's a way of the medical practitioners to monitor you to make sure that your condition doesn't plummet and go worse and instead give you a reason to get up and get the therapy you need in-house. So they take note of that too? They do. Wow. They have a roster of nurses and there is a nurse assigned to you on a daily basis and they get to know you. They get to know what your case is, what your situation is, what caused your mental health issues. And just having conversations with you to help assess where your headspace is at on a daily basis. And I guess because a lot of those who check into the hospital are, like myself, also toying with the ideation of self-harm. They need to make sure that in those conversations, they're assessing whether you're at risk of self-harm. That is a nice resource. Yes. I'm glad that you had that. And I'm glad that you were okay with going in because it was still your choice to go in and get that help. When my husband saw that I wasn't sleeping for days and I was constantly shaking and having these headaches, he said, I think it's time to go back to our GP and ask for a referral to go to hospital. As soon as he said that, I felt relieved and said, you mean there's help? Yeah. There's actually help available for people suffering my condition? I couldn't believe it. I guess because coming from where we grew up, it's alien to think that there is a resource like this that can actually help you nurture your mental health and get you back up. It's amazing how we all know and it's accepted that the brain is the main operation system in your whole body. We're accepting of that. Everyone's accepting of that. However, it's amazing how it's just now that people are realizing, including me, you do need to take care of that. If the main operation system of the body is in the brain, then we need to maintain that. Yeah. 
we don't have a problem maintaining other parts of the body. Yes, like your heart, like your kidneys or your liver. Like your heart has been accepted forever. Yeah. But it's just now that society is saying, and, and even then, that it's okay with society, society saying, yes, we do need to take care of that. It does need to be maintained. It does come across kinks and snags that we need to tinker with so that our whole body health, mental health is holistic. It's your whole person. Yeah. But it's just recently. And even then, the society is slowly saying, yeah, it's okay. Mental health is so important. Yeah. It's still somewhat taboo. Yes. When you talk about mental health, I feel like to some, it's as if it's like quack medicine. Yes. <laughs> and but when you're in that situation, Karen, your perspective changes. I remember there was one point when I was in hospital the first week. That was probably even on the second day. I was triggered because I received something, a communication from my work that triggered me. And I was crying uncontrollably. And I was probably similar to your ugly cry when you were facing the mirror and getting ready for work. But this was that feeling of hopelessness and helplessness and worthlessness. The feeling that your humanity have been completely, not just disregarded, but crushed and murdered and sabotaged like as if you are not human and deserve to be discarded. I was crying uncontrollably and the nurse was there and the nurse had to call another nurse and they were panicking. And despite me being in this state of feeling all of these emotions and feeling like wanting to end it all, I still had this thought that made me wonder, why are they panicking? And then the psychiatrist came in and the nurses were all relieved that the psychiatrists were there because of what I was experiencing. And I was thinking, why, why are they acting like as if this is an emergency situation? I only see this kind of reaction when, you know, when you watch ER or when you watch all of these hospital shows on TV where they show you a scene in an emergency room. But looking back now, yes, it was an emergency situation. It deserves emergency or urgent attention. Yes. I could have killed myself at that point, Karen. Yes, yes, that was an emergency situation. I think every mental episode is actually an emergency situation. It deserves attention right away. Yeah, but we all take it for granted. And we all just treat it like, you know, just suck it up. Life is hard. Just get on with it. Yeah. Whereas when you get cut, you're cooking and chopping your veggies and you accidentally nick your finger with the knife, even that, you take care of it right away. Yeah, you need first aid. And now I realize there is such a thing as mental health first aid. 
Yeah, there is. And I think that's what happened with me when I had to go to the doctor because I couldn't find a therapist. I had to go to my primary care and she took care of that right away. She made sure that I got help right away. Yeah, she understood the urgency. This discussion is, this is something that I don't have an answer. You just can't say, okay, let's wrap it up and put a bow around it. Yeah, or this is the solution. This is how you solve it. Even well-meaning people... I want to be open about what I'm going through. Me going to the therapist, you're the only one who I could tell that to. And you're like, yeah, of course. Just like me getting a cut and I'll get a Band-Aid. And you're like, of course, you got to do that. Got to take care of that. I have a headache and I tell you I need to take ibuprofen or acetaminophen. You're like, yeah, of course you should. Yeah. And then I'm telling you, I feel down. I don't know what to do. I'm going to go see a doctor. I need a therapist. Yes, of course. Yeah. But you're the only one I have talked to. And I have a lot of family and friends. And these are close friends and family who are very well-meaning, who love me. This is in my circle. Mm. Telling them about medication or telling them I'm dealing with depression. It's a reaction where it's very guarded. You can tell that they're guarded. It's unknown territory. They don't know how to approach it. Yeah. It's okay not to say anything. You don't know what to say to someone who's going through that. That's okay. Yeah. And also, I don't know if you experienced this with some of your relatives. Some people can be very judgmental, like thinking that you're just using it as an excuse or overreacting or you're just being dramatic. Yes. Not necessarily in a condescending way it's just why everyone's going through things mm. everyone has hardship everyone has shit in their life I mean, you don't need that or someone's got it worse someone's got it worse and by the way i did that i said that so many times to myself and that's how i ended up being where i am and in my therapy session i was telling that to my therapist and i said yeah but Whatever I'm going through, other people have it worse. And she said, and that's okay too. You have it bad. Yeah. And they're also going through their bad thing. There's nothing wrong with all these things happening at the same time. Yeah. It's okay for me to acknowledge that what I'm going through is hard for me. Might not be hard for anybody else, but it's hard for me. Yeah. And Karen, when you were breaking down in front of the mirror... Does your body know that other people have it worse? Remember in the first episode, we were talking about our amygdala. The amygdala will respond to a threat. It doesn't know what other threats are being presented to other people. No. When your amygdala tells you it senses threat, you need to take care of it. Yes. That was your head, your brain telling you, I'm breaking down. I need help. Does that brain tell you other people have it worse? It just reacts the way it reacts because of certain triggers, certain stimulus. That was your body telling you you needed help. Your body telling you, I'm breaking down. Get me help. Does your body tell you other people have it worse? I think that's something that people should understand. Yeah. You can't control that. You can't. It's not something that's within your control. Your body doesn't know. No. I have answered for it so many times. I have told my body, other people have it worse. Yes, but when your body has had enough, 
<laughs> That's what I kept telling it for the past few years. And finally, I thought I said, fuck that. I need help too. I need help too. <laughs> I have it bad too. Yeah. I had to hold this together. I had to go through this and carry this and go through all that just psychologically. Yeah. If there were physical, chemical changes that happened to me. Yeah. Not just psychological. I wasn't imagining it. Yes. No one is ever imagining it. No one. If you're feeling something, if you're sad, if you're numb. Yes. Who am I? No one is to say you're not really feeling that. It's still a tough conversation right now. Yeah. I'm glad that the younger people are more open about that. They're more in tune. Yeah. They're more open about that. And I'm glad because life is tough. And I think life is tougher for them. You know, when we were younger and we would always hear, it's always the older generation who'd always say, life is so much easier for you guys. You know, when we were younger, we had to deal with this. This is how we had to do it. It was tougher. I never, I'm one who never have to think like that. I never do. I think younger generation always have it tougher than the previous ones. Yeah. For one thing, we didn't have social media in the old days. Yeah. And imagine we had a lot of physical connection. Yeah. We had a lot of physical connection. I think that's very important to talk. And even then, that should have been an indication that therapy works because it is about when you're not feeling okay, you reach out to a friend and having a talk. That's therapy. Yes, that's right. At least we had that. And we had the physical contact. We had the phone. If I wanted to talk to you, I would call whoever answered. I need to have the ability to know how to do small talk. Yeah. I just can't say, Chris, I want to talk to Chris. If your mom answered the phone, I would say, hi, how are you doing tonight? Yes. This is Karen. Is Chris available by any chance? And yes, she could say yes or no. She says, yes, great. I get to talk to you. If she said no, that's learning how to deal with rejection right there. (laughs) And then the same with physically going to your house. Yes. It's the same, but it's more face-to-face. And if she said, nope, Chris can't go out today, that's dealing with rejection face-to-face. But we learned all these abilities. It's just the way it was. Yeah. How we communicated. We didn't have maps easily available for us, readily available. If we have to go someplace, we had certain skills that we had to learn because that's how yes. we would survive. That's how we would get to places. Yeah. And with this technologies these days, it also means you have to act really fast and keep up with technology. Unlike in the old days where you have time to process things. Yes. You have time to pause and reflect. Whereas these days when someone sends you an email, you have to respond immediately. The expectation is because it's accessible. Yes, it's right there. But having said that, it makes me wonder... How come the younger generation are more in tune with their mental health and more open about it? I think this new generation, I think they're kinder. Yeah. I think they're less biased. Yeah. I guess awareness also plays a big part. There are more resources nowadays that promote awareness of mental health issues. And there are more resources that provide help in mental health. Yeah. 
they're able to get resources online. The resources are more accessible to them. They're more exposed to information. Yeah, I think so. But I think they're kinder. I don't know how. Yeah. But the younger people, at least I see with the people I know, they're kinder. They're more accepting. They're more forgiving, actually. Maybe their parents who are in our generation are kinder. <laughs> so we somehow contribute to that too. <laughs> but we digress. Hopefully sharing your experience and my experience helps normalize it, remove the stigma. I hope it makes people see that it's okay to go to a therapist to look after your mental health. It's okay to take medication if it helps you with your chemical imbalance. It's okay to go to hospital to look after your mental health. It may not be the right solution for you. Your own mental health practitioner could probably give you what's more suited for you. I know some people who, no matter how much medication they take, it still doesn't help them. So it might be another form of help you need. The most important part is really to seek help when you need it. To seek help, correct. Get the appropriate help that is tailored for you and your condition. Yes. And one thing I like to note is that seeking a therapist is, it's like a marriage or not a marriage. The therapist has to be the right therapist for you. You go to one and if you didn't feel good about it, don't get discouraged. Find another one. That doesn't mean that's the therapist you're going to be stuck with. Yes. Find another one until you find the perfect match. Yes, I agree. And I know you had that experience and I also had that experience. My first therapist I didn't like and I had to go look for another one until I found the right one for me. Yes. Before I got this appointment for the referral that my primary care sent me to, I said, should I still look for a therapist? She said, yes, mm. it's okay. It's better to have two in line than wait for like a month from now. Yeah. Finally found one and it didn't work for me. It was an epic fail. Yeah. It's okay to keep searching until you find the right one. It has to be a good match. Yes. And it's okay. It's okay to take medicine if your doctor says it could help, but it's all uh, different cases, each person. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's okay. It's okay to take care of you. It's okay. Just seek help. Yes. Take care of you. Take care of you. You deserve that. You deserve to have a healthy life. You deserve happiness. You're important. You deserve to be well. Am I Okay is intended for mature audiences as it discusses topics that can be emotional and upsetting. Stories, experiences, recollections, Opinions or insights shared by us are our own and does not reflect or represent the views and opinions of medical practitioners or other experts in mental health. The podcast or any linked materials should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional expertise or treatments. If you're struggling with mental health, we encourage you to seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider. Please do not disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking it 
because of something you have heard from this podcast. If you or someone you care for is in need of immediate assistance, please find treatment locators and helplines in your country of residence, such as 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline in the United States and Lifeline or Beyond Blue in Australia. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach us through our socials and follow us. You'll find our handle in the episode description. Or if there's anything you'd like us to talk more about, you can email us through email at gmail.com. If you have friends or family who you think would be interested in what we share, please tell them about us. They can find our podcast in any directory they get their podcast from. And please go on and rate us. It will let people know about us and find us. Once again, thanks for listening. Cheers. Thank you.